our campaign has had two co-leaders, Jody Dean and Stephen Harris, and Jody and Emily are going to share with us what God is doing in their lives in regard to this moment in our history. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Over the years, God has called us many places, and we've gotten to be in this city almost five years now. And First Baptist New Orleans has had a thread. Emily agreed to go out with me at the old location. So uh, First Baptist has a special place in my heart and our personal life. But beyond that, um, being inspired, many things can inspire us. A Saints football game, uh, a good meal. And I won't go into all the good meals we can have in this city, but there are many things that can inspire us. But when I look at this passage and I think about this campaign, what uh, honestly in my prayer time and in talking with Emily, I'm like, you know, a new boat would be nice. I sold my boat last year and you know what, a new boat, uh, do we really want to make a commitment uh, toward, to give more than we're already giving? And uh, man... You know, there's some things we could do. You know, that Alaska cruise we've been talking about. I mean, there, God keeps bringing me back to his word and keeps bringing me back to, you need to be inspired about the things of God. And you need to be inspired about reaching the city I've planted you. And Jody, I've trained you in seminary and you've been on church staff and you know that if you don't have preschool children in youth space, it's hard to reach families for Christ. And if you don't reach the men, you don't reach the family. And so it's important for this church to make an impact in this city, carrying out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, to have more space. That's the journey God brought me on since a deacon's meeting when I heard we might be building. And when I heard that, I'm like, man, how much money could we use to do other things? Just like when we have excess in our budget, I start thinking about a boat or athletic events or concerts or other things we could do and God just brought me back to refocus our budget and through prayer we went through the spreadsheet and God it's amazing where you can find excess it, it, um, maybe not eating out maybe not having an extra latte at Starbucks and maybe not uh, doing as fancy a vacation or maybe not doing some of the extra things uh, one thing I did recently is repriced our insurance to save money and we're going to be able to save money on car insurance it's possible in this city it's amazing all the ways that you can find places to trim a little and through trimming all of us together can come to rejoice and do the work that God has called us to do we can talk about what if we had done it years ago and it had been cheaper or we can talk about what if we didn't do it this way now but honestly we got to do something church and honestly, this is what we need to do to get into our property and to reach more preschoolers, more children, more youth, more adults, more senior adults, because we're living in a hurting city that needs the gospel. 
And even though Emily and I have the gospel and Lydia has the gospel and we love Jesus and we read his word in our home, this is not an easy place to live and raise a family. There are many days where we find ourselves struggling, just like many of you. But if we don't struggle together and wrestle so that he can complete that good work that he has started in us, that he's inspiring us to grow, to serve, to love, to pray, to give, that's what it's about. And that's what gets me excited today. As excited as excited as seeing the Saints win the Super Bowl, it gets me excited to complete the plan God started so many years ago with this congregation. And I'm so thankful we get to be a part of it. Our kids love coming to church. Our family, we love our ministerial staff. And Pastor David, we're so thankful for you and your team that God has called for this time and this season. It's been such a joy. <clears throat> And honestly, what God did in my heart was to just trust our staff that this is the direction we need to go. And so through the staff and through God's word, he's inspired us to be faithful to see this through. And we're thankful to be out there doing it with you guys. And so excited to be a part of this church. We pray that each of you, like our family, will come alongside and, and support this Inspired to Grow campaign. Thank you, Jody and Emily. So, where are we? Well, our church has a master plan. And uh, we implemented this master plan uh, years ago. We have been working on it over these years. Uh, have you got a picture of the master plan? No? Okay. <laughs> uh, when we came to this moment where we knew we had to build a new entrance. Uh, we, we had some questions before God and decisions to make. Uh, one of the questions that we had was, uh, you know, since we're going to build this new entrance, uh, what else do we need to do in the meantime? Should we take this as an opportunity to work on uh, the work that God called us to do initially. And our entrance has to be completed by September of 2018. So I feel like that was outside of anybody else's time clock. That was simply God speaking to us. And in fact, we began the process of thinking about this through Steve Watts and the foundation which uh, decided it was time to purchase land for a new entrance. The lease uh, was going to expire. The folks who leased to us did not want to renew the lease. And so we had to build a new entrance. Uh, this is, let's see, do you, are you up yet, Nathan? Okay. Here is the design that the railroad has now approved for us to use to cross into this property. Uh, the road's about 800 feet long. It comes over the top of the uh, buildings that we purchased on Canal Boulevard that used to be Lakeview Tire, the Michelin Tire Store. And it uh, comes across the railroad track and right into the road that exists today. We'll end up with about 300 feet of frontage on Canal Boulevard where we can easily introduce our church to the community in a much finer way. Your guests that you invite to church will be able to identify where to turn more easily. Right now all of our signage is limited by 
the people who lease to us. This is a million dollar project, counting the uh, landscaping and things like that. We're going to need a new sign as well. So ballpark figure, we're going to spend a million dollars. Many of you know that these teenagers right over here, raise your hands, teenagers. You're important to us, not to embarrass you, but uh, we love them. And they are meeting right now in what used to be the fitness center in that series of buildings. And so when we gathered to think about our entrance and how we're going to get in here, we realized we had to tear that building down. And uh, when it became available, we moved our teenagers over there because it's just better space for them. There are a whole lot of reasons why getting out of the third floor in the education space, out of the space next to the offices, and over there was a good idea. So what are we going to do with our young people? And uh, we decided at that time to launch into a... Uh, building a new space for them. And this is the uh, third floor of the extension on our building. It will accommodate our uh, teenagers. It's 6,500 square feet and counting, counting the mezzanine. But uh, one of the questions was, are we going to build just a separate youth building or do we need to address some other things while we're doing this? And so we decided to build an extension. And those of you who can look out these windows We'll see where that extension is going to be. Three stories high, the top floor being the youth center. And you see that camelback in that picture? That's what we're adding, the camelback on back. It's about 16,500 square feet. On the second floor, we intend to have a space for our children. It'll be grade school children, grades one through six. They will have doors to go into their space. They'll be secure, their own bathrooms. There'll be a recreation area designed there for uh, kids their age. On the first floor, we'll have our preschool space expanded. This is important, brothers and sisters, and I want to emphasize it to you that the most significant bottleneck in this facility is not parking. We have ample parking. It's not auditorium space. We have good space to meet and worship in this room. The bottleneck in this space has always been preschool. We have eight preschool rooms. They have to be on the bottom floor. That's best practices. And we have filled up those eight rooms twice since we moved into this building. We knew it was too small, but we just had to do it. We had three preschool units back in the music suite for a while. But the first floor now is going to address this problem and will give us the opportunity eventually, if we needed to, to expand our preschool space by as much as six more classrooms. We're going to start out with two classrooms, a resource room and an indoor play area. And you can examine all of these in the gallery that we have in our lobby. The total price tag on this extension is $4.4 million. And with furniture, fixtures, and equipment, it looks like about $5 million is the ballpark figure to go ahead and work on our master plan and provide for not only preschool children and youth, but also repurpose our existing second floor for adult space. That's the idea. That's the notion. That's what the Project Oversight Council unanimously supported and presented to the church and that's what the church voted to do without opposition in our business meeting last year to proceed with this 
And so we are at this moment. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I don't want you to be worried today. I don't want you to be anxious today. I want you to be full of peace and joy and love today and every day. And today I want you to be communing with God, just talking to God about what's going on in your life, the things that are happening, and the things that are going on in your church. I want you to pray, walk with God, talk to Him, and let Him speak to you and not only speak to you about your individual situation, but about this body of believers of which you are a part. Everybody knows that timing can be sensitive. So when God says first to Isaiah, now is the time, and then Paul quotes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he talks to the church in Corinth, now is the time. We know that's pretty hard to discern. We can't turn to chapter and verse and find in the Bible where it says, First Baptist, it's time for you to rise up and build. So we want you to build 16,000 square feet of new space. You can't find that in here. The Bible's just not that specific. And so what do you do? Well, you drop back and you begin to pray. And you process the mission God has given you. You think about what you're called to do as a family of faith and a congregation of believers. And in the process of examining your mission and praying and seeking God's heart, you make your decision. Timing is important. Haste may cause carelessness. But caution may lead to procrastination. I am convinced that this is an opportunity, a moment of time, a window for us as a congregation. Now that we must raise a million dollars and build that entrance, that we address the need for our teenagers to have their space and the, these other needs that are part of this. I am convinced that this is God's moment for us that this is his opportunity for us to address these things. Now is the time. And this is the place. Amen. We have a great mission. We are here in the city that care for God with the care effect, caring for people in need. This past week, we had 10 professions of faith in our Care Effect ministries. And over and over again, week after week, God saves people in the prison, in the juvenile detention center, and he gives us all kinds of opportunities to share with those at the feeding station and in the nursing home and on Bourbon Street. God is at work in this family of faith. Now, our mission is the same as it was in 1843. 
when a tiny group of people that could fit on one of these rows said, we're going to form a Baptist church in New Orleans, and that's what they did. That was 174 years ago, and they faced great hurdles. They had no space of their own when they started, and when they finally got a space, it was ruined by a cyclone. Their second pastor decided he would stay through the yellow fever epidemic. People begged him to leave, and folks were dying on every hand. But he said, no, this is my flock, and I'm going to stay. And he stayed and died of yellow fever. When the war between the states broke out, they turned the fledgling church into a hospital to take care of wounded soldiers. And through these years... In continuous ministry, a congregation of people have gathered together and overcome the barriers and faced the challenges and loved one another and carried the gospel to this city. Back in the 1920s, we had a pastor named R.G. Lee who led the church to build a great big education building that served the church for many years down on Delachay. And then the church uprooted and went to Napoleon and St. Charles and there built the facility that many of us knew where I was a pastor down there for eight years. God planted this church through moving the hearts of his people and all through these years people like you and me have stood up and said we're going to do what it takes, we're going to meet the need, we're going to offer ourselves on behalf of the mission of Jesus which is to seek and save the lost, we are going to do this. Now, our strategy at First Baptist is simple, and it's three-pronged. I hope you will remember it. We worship, we do small groups, and we do missions. Worship, small groups, and missions. You can almost summarize everything that happens in this building through a week with these three things. Worship is simple. We worship with our lives. Not only do we congregate here, but we worship like the early church worships seven days a week in everything that we do. We worship like Paul instructed the church at Corinth to do, embedding the chapter on love right in the middle of his instructions about worship. Love one another. Be patient. Be kind. Do what it takes to lift one another up. We worship with our lives. And we gather in small groups. This small group strategy has been part of First Baptist since the beginning. And it is important because we do big church and we do small church where we face each other and we know one another. And small groups have always been important to First Baptist New Orleans. And we have done them on campus for this reason. So that we could provide the finest in age-graded learning. So that from birth all the way through the oldest adults, we could focus on the particular needs of their life station, their situation, and in doing so, help them grow in Christ and meet others in a similar journey. Small groups take space. And when we moved here, we knew that this building was out of balance. We had plenty of room here, plenty of parking, and very tiny small group space. And so we've been having small groups all over the place, in closets and robing rooms. And one time we had seven classes in the fellowship hall. We've used all kinds of spaces. And some of you, even now, when you go to your small group, you're sitting like this. 
in a, in a very tight space. And it's been a problem since we built the building, but we wanted to build within our means, and this is what we did. Our mission is to reach people through worship, small groups, and missions. Carefec takes us out there, and we love being out there. We have almost 100 volunteers every week who go out there to a dozen different venues, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, freely helping folks in need. It's an important, vital part of our ministry. We are set in our mission on connecting the words of the gospel with the deeds of the gospel. We want to be known as Jesus was, mighty in word and in deed. We want to be a church that is known for its doing, not just what it says, but what it does. And brothers and sisters, through these years, we have earned that reputation with the leaders of this city. So we have worship, small groups, and missions, and God has burdened our heart to do them. This project addresses our mission at its core. It provides space for small groups that we desperately need for teenagers, children, preschoolers, and adults. You say, well, should this really fall on us? And I ask that question too. It's been 21 years since I came to the city. You know why I came to the city? To help God's people shine like stars as they hold forth the word of life. That's why I came to the city. That's God's call in my life, to help God's people shine like stars as they hold forth the word of life. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what our leadership is seeking to do. We're seeking to turn up the lumens on the light that is First Baptist New Orleans and to provide even better for the mission and ministry God's called us to do. Now, the scripture says here that we are co-laborers with God. That is, we are partners with God. We are in cooperation with God. We are in the yoke with God. Why would God want you to be his co-laborer? Why would God want me to be his co-laborer? God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He can do anything he wants to by himself. He wanted to bless us and privilege us and love us by including us in the work he does on earth. So he calls us his co-laborers. Now, I've had some co-laborers that were really good. And I benefited because they knew what they were doing and they were full of energy and they really worked hard. And when they looked at our group, they thought, man, that group gets things done. And the reason was there was a co-laborer in there that was really doing it right. And I've had some co-laborers that were miserable too. And they pulled the group down. And maybe that happened to you. Folks that you were in the yoke with and you felt like they died in the dresses, you know. And you were just dragging them along. You understand that, right? So when I read this passage, I thought, what kind of co-laborer am I? How am I doing as a co-laborer with God in this great and important work? And sometimes I feel guilty. In fact, pretty much all the time because I'm not everything I ought to be. 
And yet God calls people like you and me to do this work. And that's the real key, isn't it? It's not really about us and how much we know and how much we have or how strong we are. It's about the God who has called us to this work. It's about Him. And He has always been faithful. I remember when I stood before the church in 1997. This is now 20 years ago. And spoke to the congregation after a year of being your pastor and said, I think and believe the finest future of First Baptist Church is at another site. And I told the congregation and deacons, I don't know what will happen if we move, but I think I can predict what will happen if we stay. We have 40 years of decline to look at. And so we initiated a process 20 years ago. In 1999, 18 years ago, we voted to purchase this property for the purpose of relocation. That was in the spring of 1999. It was a hard moment for our church. I don't know if you've ever been a fi in a five-hour business meeting, but I presided over one. And it was, it was a difficult moment, but the Lord saw us through. And he brought about this space, this campus, this opportunity in the heart of our city. I was reflecting on 13 years ago at this time. It was the week of my birthday that we gave the keys of the St. Charles Avenue property to the new owner. And we left. Had to leave. This property was not ready. We moved into the education building, but the, the auditorium, we still had saws in here, and they were working every day. And for 14 weeks, we met at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary over off of Gentilly Boulevard. And that was a hard time for me. Those 14 weeks, and attendance sagged, and I wondered what God was up to. And then in June of 2004, we moved into this facility. And there was immediately like a great big breath. And in the 15 months that we were here before Hurricane Katrina, 200 people plus joined our church. We baptized 80 people. It was wonderful. And then Katrina just smashed us. Smashed us. We didn't even have church here for two and a half months after the storm. We didn't have electricity here for four months. We didn't have internet and telephone service for a year. They wouldn't even deliver the mail here. We had to go to the post office. I don't know if any of you remember those days, but that was the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And through all that, God's been faithful and he's taken care of us, and our mission remains the same. We are on mission with Jesus to seek and to save the lost. And God is still God. God is able, just as he was back then. He is able, after these 21 years, to do what he's called us to do. I don't feel like he said, hey, stop helping God's people shine like stars. He says, instead, you keep doing what I called you to do, 
And I believe that call is on your heart. And sometimes, as we age, we need to renew the call and feel again the purpose God has for us and the plan for which He called us and our part in His church, which He created, which He founded, and which He builds. Sometimes we look at the promised land like the ancient Hebrews. The spies came back after looking at the promised land and they said, whoa, there are giants in the land and they are huge. And all the cities have these big tall walls around them. And they brought back what the Bible called an evil report of the challenge God gave to them. He said, I want you to go in there and take the land. And folks came back with an evil report and said, the giants are too big, the walls are too tall, the challenge is too great, we can't do it. And so for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. They left the perimeter of the promised land to wander in the wilderness. When Joshua came back to the Jordan River, leading God's people as Moses' successor. He looked over the land of promise and God said, now, now then, you go into this land and take it. Do not be afraid. Do not, do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My brothers and sisters, we have a moment. I believe it is a divine opportunity to address these things that long ago we knew needed done. And I hope that you will make it a matter of prayer before God. In fact, I want us to have a prayer here at the front in just a moment. I want us to pray for God's blessing on this work, for His direction in our own individual lives for his direction on this body. I want us to just kneel across this place like we did years ago when we dedicated this building and say again, Lord, here we are. Everything about us, all that we are, all that we have, surrendered unto you. I'm going to ask our band to come and uh, to prepare for our response time. In this response time, we're going to have folks who will meet you here at the front. If you're feeling called and God is prompting your heart to say, I want to be part of this congregation of believers, then you can come at this time and become part. Maybe you've already trusted Jesus as Savior and you've been baptized as a believer. Maybe God is speaking to you. It's time for you to really get serious about your commitment to me and you need to be baptized as a believer. You've already trusted Christ, but you've not been baptized yet. You could come and say, I want to be part of that baptism service next week or on Easter Sunday. The next two weeks we'll be baptizing. Is that your situation? Do you need to follow Christ and really becoming serious as a disciple of his? Or maybe you need to pray with somebody. We're going to be down here as well. Let's stand together. Deacons, small group leaders, campaign team, would you join me here at the front? All of you who would like to and are prompted to do so, would you join me here at the front? Let's have a prayer of commitment unto God, of ourselves, of our work, of our church, of our future. Asking God to have his way in us.
who we are and the decisions we make and the life we live before Him. you to pray as well. I want you to pray that God will use you, speak to you, uh, that God will give his peace, his joy, his love as we together move forward in his work. Would you thank God for his salvation and his call upon your life? Thank you for the work that he's done in you through the years, through the blessings he's brought. Would you thank him for this moment in your life, the opportunities you have to share and do his work and his will? Father, God, you're good to us, and we just confess and acknowledge how good you are. Your loving kindness is better than life. Lord, we thank you for throwing the, the blanket of love over our lives, as you have, for an inexhaustible supply of love and kindness and faithfulness. God, it's who you are. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in us as a congregation, as a people, in establishing us in this new place, giving us new ministries and outreach to our city, all the lives that have been touched, all the new faces, God, that you've brought into this fellowship, people we never knew, whose faces we'd never seen, that are now our deacons and Bible teachers and dearest friends. Thank you, God, for the great work you've done. And Lord, we thank you for all you intend to do. Lord, we pray that you will help us rest in your presence, in your sovereign power, in the peace that only you can give. Help us find there a place where we're not anxious, where we're not worried, but instead we are full of trust and confidence in you and you alone. God, this is your church, every square inch of it. It all belongs to you. It's only here because of you. This house of worship is yours. And all the resources that are part of this church are yours, God. And Lord, we pray now that you would give us clarity of thought and understanding as a congregation and as individuals as we contemplate an opportunity to move the work forward to expand the horizons that are ours, to meet the needs of tomorrow, to build for people whose faces we haven't seen and names we do not know, who will be enfolded into this fellowship, led to faith in Christ, discipled and nurtured here in this space by these people. God, thank you for the challenge that is ours, the opportunity that you give. We trust you, Lord. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name.